You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everyone? It's Nick again. Amanda is on vacation. She went to Tijuana without <laughs> us. Very, very rude of her. But we're back again. We're going to do this thing. Um, just coming off a nice one-game sweep of the Braves. So lots to talk about. And as always, I am joined by Ryan. How you doing, bud? What's up? What's up? Um, I jumped Jambalaya for dinner. Uh, pretty good. So yeah, things are going great for me. Not trying yeah, to brag, I mean, but was it New Orleans jambalaya? Um, it was love that New Orleans, Northern Virginia, uh, jambalaya. <laughs> Instead of Nola, it was Nova. Nova. All right. All right. So quite the week not the week the nats needed but uh, i will save that for you so uh tell us what's been going on you know <clears throat> mike rizzo famously said either in or you in the way in the way but my great grandpappy used to always say you either nut up or you shut up squirt so that's what time we are it's nut up or shut up time the marlins are the only nl team with less than 60 wins they are 52 and 96 the Phillies, they had a week, well, they've had a whole pretty bad season, a season to forget. Uh, they managed a four-game split with the Braves, uh, which at the time honestly felt like a win. Uh, they got two games swept by the Red Sox. They are officially eliminated from the division, the team that every expert said was going to win the division, the team with the quote-unquote greatest offseason of all time, according to Fox Sports, is officially eliminated from the division on September 14th. They're 76 and 72. 
but it gets so much easier because their next 11 games are on the road. They go to Atlanta, they go to Cleveland, and then they have five games set in D.C. F in the chat for uh, Philly. The Mets are the team that just does not F, does not die. They swept the Diamondbacks, also known as the Frauds. Uh, Noah Syndergaard still really hates Wilson Ramos. Can't remember if I said this last week. And has multiple conversations with coaches to ensure that Wilson Ramos never catches for him again. The numbers back up Noah Syndergaard's argument. Jacob deGrom wraps up his second straight Cy Young with seven shutout innings against the Dodgers. They split the first two against the Dodgers, and they play right. Now they're up 2-0 in the top of the third inning. Um, in case you guys were wondering, they have a cakewalk of a schedule left. They have to face the Reds, Marlins, Rockies. Um, the Reds have not been eliminated from the playoffs yet, but the Marlins and Rockies have. They are 77-71. and 71. As Green Day said, wake me up when September ends. And it's been a rough September for the Nats. The Nats control their own destiny, and as we know, the Nats love to piss away important games. Um, they did take the first; they did take two or three against the Twins. That was a very good series win, um, and in and Minnesota also. So props to them. But they turn around and drop the first two against the Braves in very, very ugly fashion. They still have not been eliminated from the division, but that's all but done. And as I said earlier, it's not up or shut up time as they have a huge three-game set against the Cardinals. Next, they are 82-66. and 66. The Braves continued to run away with the East. After the four-game split with the Phillies, they took two or three against the Nats. They have officially clinched the playoff spot, and their magic number is down to four. They're only three games behind the Dodgers for the top seed in the NL playoffs. They'll likely clinch at home against the Phillies. They are 93-58. and 58. And we are in the thick of September baseball, so this week and next week, we're going to be giving you wild card updates. Burr, 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 burr. Emphasis on the wild because uh, there's 14 games left, and it's going to be unreal. So we're going to give you guys updates every week. So to start off, Miami, Colorado, Pittsburgh all have been eliminated from the playoffs. San Diego and Cincinnati, their elimination number is three. The Giants, elimination number is five. Now, we move to the contenders. Um, Arizona is 76 and 73. They're four and a half back of the second wildcard spot. Their elimination number is 10. Philly, they're 76 and 72. They're four games back of the second wildcard spot. Their elimination number is 11. The Mets are 77, 71, three games back. Elimination number is 12. The Brewers are 80 and 69, and Ryan Braun hit the go-ahead Grand slam with two outs and two strikes today in the top of the ninth inning. One game back in the second wild card spot. Elimination number 14. The Cubs are 81 and 68, and they're one and a half game behind the 82 and 66 Nats. The Nats uh, lead, it's dwindled greatly over the last 14 games. But realistically speaking, all they have to do is go 6 and 8 the rest of the way to likely lock up a playoff spot. If they go six and eight, the Cubs have to go seven and six or better. The Brewers have to go eight and six or better. Uh, the Mets would have to go eleven or three and better. The Phillies will have to go twelve and two or better. All to tie the Nats or surpass them in the wild card. And that is how the NL East and wild card stands with fourteen games left to play. Let's do it. Oof. 
I mean, a, a lot covered there, but we'll start with probably the most important and the most recent thing you just said is just the wild card update. Like, yes, yeah, six and eight is it, it, it. I mean, it's not not too much to ask for in the grand scheme of things, but it just seems like a lot to ask for from this team right now, especially with the stretch coming up and we'll get to that later. But like, damn, you asking the little things of the team is just seems like too much to ask right now. I know. I mean, the pitching isn't well. Um, Ambel Sanchez is the only pitcher to go more than six innings uh, in this month. They're starting ERAs over five. The bullpen ERA is over six. Like, they're just not playing very well right now. And it's just like, please find a way to squeak out six wins, and you're more than likely going to be playing in the wild card. That's all you have to do. And we're going to break down that in a little bit. But it was a good, bad, and ugly week. If, Nick, you want to break that down? Let's do it. Um, so the good, as you just mentioned, was Anibal Sanchez in his past nine starts, or well, I guess nine starts in general against the Dodgers, Braves, Cubs, and Twins, all pretty much playoff teams. Uh, he has a two nine one ERA, which, I mean, he's our fourth starter, and regardless of how good he pitches against those teams, he's not going to be like our game one starter in the playoffs or the wild card game or anything, but still that's a valuable asset to have because should we make it further into the playoffs, Sanchez will get called upon at one point or another. So it's nice to know he can hold his own out there for sure. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of these are around the road. The twins one was on the road and obviously the twins, they weren't, they didn't have a lot of people in like their lineup that they normally do, but the Twins are a very, very dangerous lineup. The Cubs, that was on the road. The Cubs are very good. Um, Braves has been at home on the road, and I think he pitched in LA. I'm not 100% sure, but like, those are four of the like top like eight teams in baseball, and he has a 2-9 ERA. For someone for your four-starter, especially someone you don't really you know expect much out of, and that's by the rotation, that spews a lot of confidence down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's sorely needed. Um, I mean, just the way with everything else has been going, it's like nothing's going right except Sanchez. I mean, you could argue that could be argued. I mean, obviously, Rendon is arguably the MVP. Soto's insanely good uh, for being 20 years old and in general. But other than that, not much has gone right recently, especially in the month of September. It's been a brutal, brutal first half of the month. And we are going to need guys to step up who we wouldn't otherwise likely expect. And Sanchez is, falls in that category. Uh, like I said, he's not going to – he might not start a game should we get past the wild card, uh, wild card game because we might go to a three-man rotation or he might pitch a game four. We've seen it done before, but it it is nice to know that someone on this team is hitting their stride in the most crucial part of the season. Yeah, I mean, big dong and a ball. You heard your first PBA. <laughs> but the the unfortunate news is not everyone is uh, hitting their stride in the most crucial part of the season. Uh, the majority of the team isn't, but some worse than others, and that leads us to the bad, and that has been Trey Turner, unfortunately. In his uh, last seven, 
Uh, Ryan, are these stats from the last seven? Yeah, this does okay. not include today's game, but gotcha. All right, just just wanted to give the the heaters the proper information. <laughs> but uh, his last seven prior to today, he was hitting one eighty five, two ninety three, thirty three. Oof, that is not good. Uh, th- three stolen bases, twelve strikeouts, four walks, three RBIs, eleven runs. So, despite the fact that he's not getting on base, whether it's just by walks or um, getting hits. When he is on base, he's making the most of it, which is crazy. Like, shocker, you get Trey Turner on base, good things happen. But he's just not getting on base enough to make anything worthwhile, especially in the the course of a nine-inning game. Yeah, I mean, when him and Eaton are on, the whole lineup is on. Um, The 11 runs scored and hitting under 200 and on base below 300 is pretty sweet in the last seven. Um, yeah. That kind of just shows you, like, how well Rendon, who uh, has driven in uh, Trey Turner 33 times. I think that's, like, the most anyone's driven in any teammate in the league. Ooh, um, thank you, thank you. When he gets on, the whole lineup goes. And he's he's in a little bit of a funk right now, and, man, they need him to come out of it. Yeah, and that's kind of what we talked about way, way back in our season preview before, obviously, the season started. We talked about what life would be like without Bryce. And this was obviously before we knew what Rendon was going to do this year. And um, we were questioning whether Soto could uh, like repeat his strong rookie season. Um, We said that the offense was going to flow through the top of the lineup, specifically Trey and Eaton, like you mentioned. And Eaton's been out, Trey's been out. It's like they haven't really gotten the opportunity to let the lineup flow through them because one of them's always been out. It's like they haven't played together all that often. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but it certainly seems that way. But when they are in the lineup together, albeit not that often, I mean, like, they're very good, except when they're not good. And that's right now. And obviously, Ian just came back from the injury. He's been pretty well. He's been having a pretty good stretch lately, as much as I hate to give Manny credit. Um, He has been doing pretty well but Trey hasn't and I even with Rendon and Soto doing what they're doing the offense still has to flow through them like Rendon Soto they have to have guys on base in order to do the damage that they've been doing all year and obviously that the people in front of them that need to be on base are Trey and Eaton so Trey while he's getting on base making the most of it he's not getting on base enough so that will definitely need to change well, it could be worse. Uh, they could be the uh, the ugly. <laughs> uh, the ugly has been pretty ugly for quite some time now. Um, and that is uh, the big city guy himself, Matt Adams. His last 15, we are going beyond the last seven because it is just that bad. Last 15, 053, 143, 079. No, that is not good. Even worse, 19 strikeouts, two hits, zero home runs, obviously. Well, I guess it's an obvious. Zero RBIs. Just no redeeming qualities or stats about that stretch. Just awful, awful. It's like he almost needs a ghost DL trip. Yeah, I mean, when you're supposed to be like a power guy and like a power battle off the bench and you're slugging 079, your OPS, OPS is two. Um, that's not good, Bob. <laughs> and, um, 
Matt Adams, I think, has been the bad and the ugly more than anyone else. I like try to mix it up and put new people in here, but his numbers just astound me so much because he's so bad right now. I have a a, a theory. What do you call like um uh controversy? What's the word I'm looking for? Help me out. Controversial? No, no, no. Hot take, sort of. But like when you like how people believe in Area Fifty One and God. oh um uh, um uh, oh shoot shoot conspiracy theory there <laughs> you know yeah yes conspiracy theory thank you geez I knew yeah. I started with a C I have a conspiracy theory for you Matt Adams playing baseball Zim's nowhere in sight Howie's more used as a utility guy so Matt Adams spot in the lineup as everyday first baseman is safe however September comes around. He he knows Zim's on the horizon. He's scared because he knows <laughs> Zim is a fan favorite, right? So, Madam's like, "Oh no, I need to do something to help out my game." He goes to FP Santangelo. FP gives him HDH and get or steroids and gets helps Matt <laughs> Adams get worse. Change my mind. Um, I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. I think that's exactly what's going on here. I just I just nailed it. I mean, honestly. Like you can't. I, I think I just I just broke the code. You're welcome. Um, no, but it it it's gotten to the point where I guess technically we don't have anyone else to take over like the platoon or backup first baseman job or whatever. But if we did, if we had anyone who's even remotely serviceable there. Adams would play himself out of like a postseason spot. Like he yeah. would not make the postseason roster, but he's going to just because we don't have a, really another first baseman. Like, yes, how he's played there, but he's by no means a first baseman. And the fact that Adams is a lefty, like bench bat, that's still valuable regardless of how he's hitting. I mean, but it, it is not, not good. Like the, the fact that he doesn't even have a home run and he's a power bet. He has two hits over the over more than two weeks. Like, it's just not good. And we're running out of time for people to, to get their game together. They need to figure it out and finish strong. So that way we can hit the wild card game with our uh, best foot forward. Yeah. Um, here's the hoping things turn around in the next week. Cause, uh, it's going to be fun, but speaking of not good, we've talked about in great, great depth this entire season about how terrible the bullpen is. We um, have? Yeah, you know, in case you're new here, uh, the bullpen sucks for the Nats. Um, it's so bad, in fact, that if the Nats make the playoffs, it would be the worst bullpen you're ready to ever make Hey, 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 they're good people. <laughs> they are good people with families. <laughs> Um, yeah, so <laughs> Boz from the Washington Post wrote an article talking about the struggles of the Nationals' bullpen this year, and he also included a quote from Rizzo, which this made me very, very happy because not to toot my own horn, but I'm going to, on August 4th, I said this was going to happen because I knew the bullpen still wasn't fixed, um, but he Ooh, said damn, that he the brought Nats, the receipts. <laughs> If the Nats make the wildcard game and beyond, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin will be available out of the bullpen on an as-need basis because the bullpen's so bad. 
And uh, I love this move. Nick, what do you what do you think of this idea? Uh, it's phenomenal. And uh, I guess since you're, we'll call this like the tooting our own horn segment. Um, but we we've talked about it personally, and I posed the question um, on the pod where I was, I was flying solo. Um, where we talk about Max versus Strauss specifically in the wild card game. Max has looked good. His start on Friday was okay. Like it wasn't definitely wasn't elite max level and it was against the Braves, but it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't the worst we've seen him this year. Um, but the fact that Rizzo has come out and said on September 13th or whatever the article was written that all three of the big three will be available to pitch, uh, whether it's starting or out of the bullpen for the wildcard game. One, that's absolutely what needs to be the case. And two, it's nice that we have that information uh, a few weeks ahead of, I guess, a couple weeks ahead of the wildcard game. So to toot my own horn, it just leads me to the idea that Straw should start, and I've said this before, so I'll just summarize. Straw should start because you can tell sooner whether Strauss has or Strauss has his A plus stuff or not. With Max, he can still he can have a don- dominant performance, but he might give up that solo or two run shot in the first or second inning, and you're like, should I leave him in? Should I pull him? And it's a wild card game. We've seen the best pitchers in baseball pitch in the wild card game give up that early run and they're yanked they're gone they lost their shot they have to be as perfect as you can be because it is a game seven in its purest form it's literally win or go home it's the only shot you get you have to play a perfect game so i if it were me and it's not but if it were me i would pitch strauss you can tell right off the bat whether he has it or not if he doesn't, you pull him right away. It doesn't even matter. Like it, It's not like you have to worry about burning your bullpen. It's the playoffs. And plus, you have Max and Corbin in relief. Like That is a perfect situation. So why not like go for gold? Like Not up or shut up like you said earlier. Like Just pitch Strauss, who's a top five pitcher in baseball when he's on. Hope he's on. Let him roll. If not, pitch Scherzer or pitch Corbin and go from there like put yourself in the best position to win but it is my belief that if i mean all things go to hell in the wild card game which they tend to do just because no matter how good the team is it's a wild card game things go to hell uh that all three or at least two of them should pitch no matter what unless i mean obviously it's like a perfect game or whatever someone goes nine shut shut piece like obviously that's a different story but i think at least two or three at least two should pitch if not all three yeah so picture this steven strasburg's pitching the wild card game right nats make the wild card they're facing the cubs at home it's it's a warm a warm september day um wouldn't it be october no yeah it'd be october 1st at that point Uh, oh halloween first um It's a warm Halloween first. Steven Schrosser goes five clean innings. The sixth inning, he gets in some trouble. The Cubs got Schwarber, Rizzo, and Nicholas Castellanos coming up. So Davey goes, you know what? I'm going to get my big lefty out of the pen. 
my true threat, the guy with a 197 ERA at home this season, Patrick Corbin, the guy whose slider is thrown inside the zone the least amount of time of any pitch in baseball, but has the second highest swing and miss rate on the year, and 83% of his strikeouts run the slider, comes in the sixth inning and just strikes out the side because, you know, who's going to expect to face that freaking slider out of the bullpen? He goes through a quick clean sixth, a clean seventh, a clean eighth, and then at that point, I don't even know who the hell's the closing on me. It's not going to be Doolittle because I think he's still struggling. Bada boom, bada bing. Davey seems like the manager of all time because he has such big cojones that he could do a move like that. You're welcome. I love it when you talk dirty to me. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect world scenario, but it's not like perfect world, like saying that as in it's probably never going to happen. It's a, a very possible outcome of the wildcard game. Strauss does not have to go seven or eight no matter what, in order to spare the bullpen. Like, Straw starts, he can easily give you five or six clean. And if he starts to struggle in the sixth or whatever, like top of the sixth, like, you can pull him because, one, he's done his job. He's got you through five super clean frames. And, two, you have all your weapons at your disposal, starters and and relievers alike. Um, ready to pitch. So that would be perfect. Like whether depends who is up, like if it's Schwarber and I mean, Rizzo just got hurt, but let's say he's playing uh, Schwarber and Rizzo. Like, yeah, you can go Corbin because it's lefty and lefty. Corbin pitches great at home. He's great against lefties, obviously. And that's like such a like weight off your shoulders. Like, you know what you're going to have to do. You don't have to overthink about if I go this guy, if I go this guy, no, your answer is right in front of you. It's either Max or, or Corbin. And honestly, if you, if Rizzo has come out and said all three are available to pitch, go Strauss, Corbin, Max, don't let anyone else sniff the mound, not even the bullpen mound. Like just go your big three flex on the Cubs or whoever's so unfortunate to lose a wild card game. Just flex your big three. Just, like just flex on him and absolutely just destroy them, destroy all hope, move on to the division series because we have that ability with our big three. So why not play to our advantage for once in our history, play to our advantage? I mean, I think that'd be absolutely incredible. Um, I'm just getting jacked up right now thinking about it because that's just haymaker, haymaker, haymaker. Um, so that'll be something we have to monitor going forward if the Nats do indeed make the playoffs. Because we'll and know. The last thing I'll say about it is I'm sure someone will bring it up that the last time Max came out of the bullpen in playoffs, it didn't go so hot, especially against the Cubs. You look yourself in the mirror, dead in the eyes, and ask yourself if you truly believe Max Scherzer is going to let that happen again. Well, Matt Weiders isn't there to uh, mess things up again, so. And neither is Wilson Ramos, so. Exactly. <laughs> but we move on to a more sensitive uh, note, and that is the report that the Dodgers are very interested in Anthony Rendon. Um, obviously, as they probably should be, 
as I'm sure 28 other teams besides the Nats and Dodgers are and probably should be. But obviously when it's the Dodgers who have been the World Series representative in the National League the past few years vying for a third in a row um, this year, it, it comes with a higher sense of anxiety and urgency um, because, you know, the Dodgers are going to do whatever it takes to get the guys they want, especially if they don't win it all this year. Yeah, I'm putting this in the, well, duh category. <laughs> Breaking news, uh, big market team is interested in the best available free agent when they have an aging uh, guy who plays a position and can't play it every day anymore. Like, this is no-brainer. We knew the Dodgers were going to be interested in him, and there's already talks about it. I've seen some L.A. articles about it talk about their idea of signing Rendon and then moving Justin Turner to, like, a first base, second base platoon because he's going to be 35 next year. Like, I mm-hmm. keep talking about that magic number um, with analytics. So this is some that is not very surprising. Um, it does kind of just give, like, a bad hope to it because Rendon's being a f- so selfish of having his best season ever where more people are going to be interested in that price is going to go up. So when you got, like, the Goliath big market teams involved, that's why I think things get a little bad for the Nats. So let's uh, see what that uh, interest is like. Yeah, <laughs> so the the Nats, Rizzo, um, the whole front office, and even the fans need to realize and just accept, bite the bullet, swallow the pill, that they screwed up not extending Rendon before the season. Like, he was so consistent. Fans loved him. Um, you knew what you are going to get. He doesn't miss a lot of time. He's always consistent. Uh, you knew what you are going to get, and you could have had him at a very reasonable price um, prior to the season. And then Rendon being the guy he is, just an absolute guy, a stud, a ball player, comes out here, steps up after a huge loss in free agency, uh, as far as the lineup is concerned, and steps up and has an amazing year when he needs to, because that is what he's always been capable of. It's just he has needed to do that, um, but we needed him this year, and he stepped up. So we absolutely, we being that screwed up, not extending him prior to the season. I think everyone knows that, but we need to swallow that pill and realize that that fair offer is out the window. If we are going to re-sign Rendon, we are probably going to need to overpay. And by overpay, I mean we're probably going to need to like match the Dodgers because you know the Dodgers will overpay. So it, it, it's, it's a tough situation because we dug ourselves a hole into the situation, but we have to do whatever it takes in order to rectify it. Um, and yes, like the Dodgers have Justin Turner to play third and they have a, a great farm system. They're like the envy of the league and what whatnot. But as Ryan, you said, Justin Turner can slide over to first base or second base or whatever. He doesn't have to stick at third. He only has one more year in his contract anyways. Next year's his last year. So I don't think the Dodgers are too concerned about that. They'd be getting five years younger at a position at a primary position with an MVP candidate. Um, I mean, there's, I don't have to explain why the Dodgers would be interested in Anthony Rendon. Like no matter who your third baseman is outside of like maybe Arenado and Chapman, 
like you are going to be interested in Anthony Rendell just because he's an absolute stud. You know what I'm you're getting. It's of all the possible free agents that could have been this offseason, Rendon's always was probably always the safest. So now that he's the only one left and he's going to be the top prize of the market, he is going to get paid because teams know that their investment is probably going to be one of the safest investments they've ever made in free agency. Yeah, so I mean, the bidding war is going to be fun. There's going to be a lot, a lot of teams involved, and it's definitely going to be really quick and not going to be dragged out at all because, you know, Scott Boris never waits things out until January or February. So, hey, we got that going for us. Uh, this <laughs> won't take forever. Uh, we'll see because I think it was semi-different with um, Harper and Machado because – not only were they trying to go against each other and seeing which one would sign first, Harper was actually obviously going for the record and their markets were definitely smaller than anticipated. Like I, I, I am, I know that's a, a, a fact for Harper. Like you would have thought that at least like eight to 10 teams would have been interested. And this market really came down to, honestly the Phillies Giants and Dodgers like that's what it really came down to and it it seemed like I mean we can talk about this all day every day but we won't get into too much it seemed like he was waiting for the Nats to increase their offer and they never did so that's probably one reason it got dragged out so long but with Rendon it actually might go quickly because it's not like there's many other options and especially in that top tier, Rendon might be in a tier of him by himself because there isn't really anyone else. Like, yeah, Garrett Cole, but that's a completely different facet of the game. It's not offensive. Um, so Rendon might be in a tier by himself, and he and teams aren't going to be able to wait until January, February and to, to offer Rendon. If they want him, they're going to have to go after him right away. So this might be a quick uh, and not painless, but a, a quick death for Nats fans if he signs elsewhere, or it'll be a quick salvation and uh, rejoice if he uh, resigns. But I, I think it does go quickly because it's Rendon and then really no one else. Yeah, I agree. It's it's going to be a pretty stressful offseason, two in a row. So uh yeah, Let's we'll see. But uh, speaking of stressful and definitely not quick, um, the rest of our schedule is whew, you, like you think it's been bad to this point. It doesn't necessarily get any better. Uh, obviously, we just finished up the Brave series. Uh, well, you're listening to this on Monday. So we finished up um, the Brave series yesterday, Sunday. It wasn't the best of series, uh, especially when we dropped the series. But we got one game. We just got to keep it rolling. Up next is three versus the Cardinals, who are vying for the division title themselves. So they're not going to roll over. They're they're pretty hot. Their pitching staff so has been carrying them, and our offensive numbers have not been great recently. So that's not necessarily a, a good thing. Um, but three against Miami, which we absolutely need to sweep. It doesn't matter if we win two or three. We need three or three. Then we have five versus Philly, which Phillies might be dead at that point, but they're going to be a tough matchup. 
Um, and then we have three against Cleveland to close out the season. And obviously Cleveland's fighting for a wild card spot and the division in the AL. So it is not the best finish to the season or not one you would like. But the question is, Ryan, you posted earlier in the episode, like we really realistically only need to go six and eight, but can we do that? Can we hold everyone off? So if I was to predict how every series was going to go for the rest of the season, if I was a, a gambling man, um, this is how I think it would go. I think the Nats lose two or three in St. Louis. I feel like that'd be the most nationalist thing ever. Um, drop two, three Cubs take first place in the wild card for a bit. And then the Nats bounce back and they three games sweep the Marlins because Miami sucks. Um, and Nats have always done a pretty good job beating up on them, and they're going to continue doing that. And then the series versus the Phillies, um, I would have the Nats losing the first two games. Things are going to get spicy, but then the Nats bounce back, and they win game three, they win game four, they win game five. That is, was that, seven wins right there? And then they just, I say they lose two or three against the Indians because at that point, They'll be at, I don't know how many wins, but the Indians would still be fighting for their life, both in the wild card and both in division. So I feel like the Phillies will have more in the line if the Nats take three of five and sweep Miami. So that's how I would predict it goes. Yeah, I could see something like that playing out. The thing is the six, uh, six and eight, so six wins in our last 14 games that we kind of threw out there as their magic number so to speak that's just a clinch of playoffs so I, obviously we should be playing for the top wild card spot um because we don't want to deal with having like wishing other teams would lose to help us out and all that stuff we want to make our own fate so we want to obviously win as many as possible um so obviously depending on how this stretch goes or at least the first half of the stretch so cardinals in miami uh, plays out and how like the Cubs and maybe Mets play out. Uh, it'll definitely determine what we need. Um, obviously, like well, the uh, statement, but we should be playing for the top wild card spot. So just because we we might clinch a playoff spot by the middle of the Philly series doesn't mean we should keep our like let off the gas we should go until we clinch that top playoff spot. So that might come down to the last game of the season. Uh, it might be done before that. I would hope it's done before that, but we'll see. Um, I would say you, I think we lose two out of three to the Cardinals just because they've been playing well. Um, they actually lost on a walk-off grand slam today, but uh, overall they've been playing well. Um, Jack Flaherty's probably been the best pitcher of the second half of the year. So, I mean, DeGrom aside, probably, but he's been dynamite. Dakota Hudson's been dynamite. I believe, if I did my math right, we'll see both of them in the uh, Cardinal series, which is not good. Um, So hopefully we can muster at least two of of the three games. Uh, I I see us losing a game against Miami just because that would be the most Nats thing ever. So I don't envision us in the best position heading into the series against Philly. Luckily, the series against Philly is at home, right? 
Hello. Sorry, I didn't realize I muted myself. Uh, what was your question? <laughs> um, the series against Philly is at home, right? Yeah, all five are at home. Okay, that's what I thought. So, I mean, obviously that's a bonus, but, I mean, we've seen Nats Park against division rivals. It becomes a home away from home for the visiting team uh, just because they have so many fans, especially Phillies fans. So, I mean, it's not necessarily home field advantage, but we'll take a, a series at home versus in Philly for sure. Um, I think we win the three games, like individual games, but I can see us getting swept in the doubleheader. So it'll definitely um, give us some unwanted excitement in the uh, last final days of the season. But I don't know. It, it's just a tough stretch. I, I think Philly's out just because they have an even tougher stretch than we do. Um, so I think it's really us, the Cubs. I guess we have to include the Mets because they just won't go away, and then maybe the Brewers. So four teams, two spots. It, it It's going to be tough. It is going to be very tough, and, I mean, that falls into the well-dug category too, but it's just we are not playing good baseball. We are playing baseball like we did at the start of the year, and nobody wants that. Yeah. Um, buckle up. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really all you 14. can. It's really all you can say is just buckle up and don't get your hopes too high. Like, just be realistic. Um, acknowledge that the first half of the month of September happened, and that that's the brand of baseball we're playing right now. And just buckle up and. Brace yourself, because <laughs> that's all you can do. Um, so let's move on to, honestly, just a, a buckle-up segment in its own, and let's just do some gut reactions. So the way this is going to work is we're going to just say gut reactions about uh, a player or about the team and just give our, not necessarily a take, but just give our thoughts on what's going to happen this last two weeks of the season and maybe hopefully the wild card game. Ron, you gave a, a prediction about the the way the game win losses are going to play out. So you have about 500. Um, what's a, another gut reaction you have about the team? Um, well, I don't think the Nats are going to make the playoffs. Um, I think they're going to miss the wild card game altogether. So that's my first gut reaction. And I, I would let, I'm sure if Amanda was here, she would try to talk you out of that, but I, I it, it's a very possible scenario. Um, even if we're playing very good baseball, the schedule alone doesn't lend itself to being uh, cooperative to a playoff berth. Um, so it, it's not necessarily like a take. It's a very possible scenario. Uh, just because we have not been playing well whatsoever. Like, we've had very, very few bright spots on this team um, recently. I I can't really disagree with you. I, I think, if anything, we barely clinched the second wild card spot. And thankfully, like, the Cubs and Mets seem like they're faltering. And Christian Yelich is out for the year for Milwaukee, so they might be dead. I won't necessarily count them out yet, but they're obviously not as 
big of a threat now as they were with Yelich. Um, but yeah, I, I could absolutely see that happening. The Cardinals, we could easily get swept. Miami, I still think they steal a game. Um, and then we have five versus Philly and three versus Cleveland to close out the year, which does not lend itself to uh, positive results. Um, my gut reaction is even if we do make the playoffs, our offense is going to be the thing that lets us down. Um, just because you take away Rendon and Soto and people be like, oh, well, you can't take away Rendon and Soto, blah, 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 blah. Yes, I know. Point is that you take away those two, and what else do you have? A bunch of very mediocre hitters. Um, like Trey can be very good, but we just talked about how he's hitting right now. Eden can be very good, but he's coming off the injury, and we've seen him in stretches where he has not looked very good. And then you get the Zim stands who will throw stats at you all day long, but I, I'm just not even going to dive down that rabbit hole because it's, <laughs> it's just a, a black hole. But, I mean, you just don't have very much, whereas a team like the Cubs, yes, they aren't playing to their potential either necessarily, but they still have a very deep lineup. They can hurt you in all eight um spots in the lineup minus pitcher obviously um and even the Mets they seem like they have a deeper lineup the Brewers certainly have a deeper lineup so I think regardless of who we play even if we make uh somehow we win the wild card game our offense is not conducive to playoff baseball and not that it can't it's just it isn't right now. Yeah, I think it's all pretty, pretty good points. Tough to argue right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's not fun to talk about because obviously, I wish I could throw out there like, yeah, Max is gonna go complete game in the wild card game because he's insanely hot right now. He's the Mad Max that we all know and love. But it's just we have not been playing good baseball. So what else are we supposed to derive from these past two weeks of baseball in September? I mean, nothing good. So it's it's almost like a reality check more than a gut reaction. It's just I think the the main point, the main gut reaction that you and I both have is that this team just isn't ready for playoff baseball at the, the current point in time. Yeah, um, I think my next gut reaction is that a Braves fan is going to uh, try to assassinate Dave Martinez for having the audacity to make sure the rule was correctly called when Charlie Culbertson was hit in the face when he was trying to bunt. Yeah, it's, again, not even a take. That's just like a fact. Uh, Braves fans are a different breed. I mean, NL East fans are a different breed. Um, it's funny because obviously we're pretty involved with, with Nat's Twitter. And I think a lot of Nat's Twitter, aside from like the boomers, they just try to troll. Um, but then you get to like Phillies fans, Mets fans, Braves fans, and they are like in your face, not even hardcore. They are just trying. They like, if there's an opportunity, they 
don't hesitate. And even if there is an opportunity, they do what they can. Like, what was it? It was a, a Diamondbacks tweet where a Braves fan replied. Um, Multiple about Braves fans replied. Yeah. Like, it w- <laughs> they do not miss an opportunity. So, honestly, yeah, I uh, <laughs> don't disagree with that. Oh, man. Uh, Ryan, you should probably tweet your tweet, bud. Um, <laughs> but we'll save that. Uh, my next gut reaction is not one that I like because I wish I could uh, say something else. But um, I think Max takes a loss in the wild card game. And it's not because of him um, in particular. It's just, I guess, half because of the injury and half because I think Davey leaves him in too long. I I haven't watched every game this year, so I'll qualify it with that. But I haven't really seen Davey take a guy out at the right time. It seems like when guys come out, it's already too late. And with a guy like Max, I think that is only going to be more of the case because obviously it's Max Scherzer, arguably the greatest pitcher on the planet. Um, So you're going to leave him in and let him work through a jam. And I think Davey does that for just a little too long and it bites us in the, in the butt and we can't overcome it because of my first gut reaction to that. Our offense isn't ready. So um, even though I would start Strauss, I think Max starts. And I think whether it's early in the game or early in the start or later in the start, he gets into trouble and it's just too much to overcome. Yeah. Um, especially in the playoffs, you can't really have a long leash on the guy. If the Nats do make the playoffs, you got to be quick. Um, you know, not like the guy on MLB Network says, I can't remember his name, who thinks that Max Scherzer never wants to stay in the game and just comes out whenever Davey wants to take him out because I guess he's never watched Max Scherzer start his life. Um, you got to have a short leash in the playoffs. But my third gut reaction, and you kind of talked about Zim stands, who will be like, yeah, you want to know for four, but how many line drives did he hit? Um, <laughs> All <the> line drives. <laughs> Zim's going to have uh, his one shining moment before the end of the year. Huh. All right. Well, that's a good one to end on. I mean, I think that will, I mean, be the one redeeming happening of the wildcard game before we inevitably get sent packing. Um, we'll probably be down like 5-1, and Zim will hit like a two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth. And then we'll lose like six three or something, and people will be like, "Oh, but the Zim home run." <laughs> okay, if that's what you want to hold on to about the season, go for it, because <laughs> otherwise, the season is an absolute disappointment. Um, and that leads me to my my final gut reaction is that uh, I think the general consensus is that Davy will be back next year, regardless of even if we miss the playoffs. Um, I think that is um, pretty much what's going to happen at this point. But similar to your gut reaction, um, I think Zim is back. They won't pick up his option. They'll decline it and then sign him for much less money. They'll be smart in that that aspect. But Zim will be back as the starting first baseman. They are not Ooh. going to sign anyone else. And I'm not saying that they sh- like that's what they should do. I certainly think Zim should be a platoon at most. Um, 
but I think they are going into 2020 with Zim as their primary first baseman again, and it'll inevitably hurt them and hurt the team again in 2020. Yeah, I mean, the first baseman free agency options are pretty bad. And like we've said before many times on here, Nats are really, really loyal and sometimes to a fault. And I can really see that happening again in 2020. See, I, I wouldn't even mind, like, yeah, again, perfect world. But in theory, we will have certainly more money to spend than we did this offseason. Um, but, like, a high AAV for someone like Jose Abreu, yeah, he's not that great defensively at first, but he's an impact bat for sure. So, like, a two-year, $30 million deal for someone like that would absolutely be worth it in my mind. Yeah, he's not Agreed. a long-term solution, but he buys you time, and he's still impactful for the years you're giving him. And listen, if he sucks, then you only have to bite the bullet for one more year. It's similar to like a Dozier deal this year. Yeah, it's a high, higher um, AAV for a guy that's past his prime, but it's a shorter-term deal, so the risk is much less. So I, I wish they would do that, and we'll probably get to that in a future episode when we look towards free agency and whatnot. But, I mean, as of right now, my gut reaction is Zim is back, and he's the starting first baseman, and it'll hurt the team. So, All right, so let's wrap up this episode, as we always do, and uh, let's get to our Twitter questions. So... First Twitter question from a regular on the show, and that is at one lovely lady C. And it is: Is it too early to speculate about the wild card game starter? Um, no, because we've been talking about that for weeks now. But what do you think? I'm gonna say yes and no. Um, everyone's always going to look ahead. That's just part of sports and a part of life, honestly. And like. If the season ended today, the Nats are in the playoffs. If the season ended the last two weeks, the Nats are in the playoffs. So I don't think it's too early to speculate. Um, and everyone has the right to. Like That's always going to come up in these games. People are going to try to figure out how the rotation aligns for the wildcard game. I think it was like June and Davey was talking about how the rotation would line up for the wildcard game. So in that sense, I don't think it's too early to start speculating and asking these questions, especially with how... Max has looked pretty not Max-like since he's come back from the DL. Um, but it is, yes, in a way, just because the way baseball is, like things change so quickly. So you can sit here and be like, all right, it's going to be playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. And then next thing you know, shoot, you're not in the playoffs. And like you're just devastated. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the correct answer is yes, it is too early. But I think the right answer is we're, we need to focus on the next game, but also be aware of how the rotation is lining up. So obviously, like we'll still keep pitching Max and Strauss and Corbin on the regular schedule, but like say we clinch uh, the top spot or a spot. Uh, by the end of the the Philly series and Max Strauss or Corbin are lined up to pitch in that final uh, regular season series against Cleveland, we would probably have to skip them at that point because we need to be aware of 
the the situation and how their their starts are lining up towards the end of the season. But I mean, we just need to focus one game at a time because the way we've been playing, we have no right to look forward at this point. We've officially lost that right um, because we're playing ourselves out of a wild card spot at the current moment in time. Our cushion is gone. We are officially fighting for our lives at this point. Um, Ryan, you talked about last week how if we had another week like the week prior that you would hit that panic button. I think it's time to hit that panic button, bud. Like we are officially, we are fighting for our lives, and we can't look too far ahead. We can't get ahead of ourselves. Like one game at a time, and hopefully, doing so will will lead us to a wild card spot. So uh, another question from at one lovely lady: Who gets the fifth spot, Voth or Ross? Um. It should be Voth just because Ross keeps getting hurt and he has such a long injury history. Just shut him down for the rest of the year, give him some time off from throwing so he can, you know, figure out why he keeps getting hurt. And Voth has looked pretty good considering the fact that yep. every single time he makes a spot start, it's against the Braves, which isn't exactly easy to do. So, like, just ride out with him. I mean, if it's an important game, especially late in September, Neither of these people are going to start. You're going to start, you know, either Max Scherzer, I mean, Max, Strauss, Corbin, or Sanchez. One of those four is going to get to start over some unproven rookie who's your number five. So, like, it doesn't really matter in that sense. But see what else Voth has. Like, let him keep going. He's been doing pretty solid. Yeah, I agree with all your points. Like, Ross has looked good at times during the year, but – just with his injury history and uh, how he is now, he uh, probably needs to be shut down. Um, he's given you what he can, and you don't want to hurt him going forward. And um, like you said, he doesn't necessarily factor into a postseason plan because obviously you're not going to have a five-man rotation in the postseason. No, no team ever does at this point. Uh, they go three-man rotation and sometimes pitch their fourth if depending on how the series lines up. Um, but I, I could see us if we're still in a tight spot in after this coming week, I can see us going to a four man rotation even where that we just eliminate that fifth spot altogether. And maybe Voth fills in for like Max's day. Um, but I can see us going to a four man rotation just because we can't afford to lose games. And Voth has looked good in his spot starts, but that doesn't necessarily mean he'll be the same every turn in the rotation. So I can see us going to a four-man rotation um, going forward, and then hopefully we clinch early enough to rest the guys, and then you see Fetty, Voth get the spot starts, maybe Hellickson. So um, I, I, I do think it's Voth, but I also don't think it will matter too much longer. So we move on to the final question and probably one of the most important questions that's not being asked is uh, from Riggle9000. Why do the Braves keep beating us? Because it's simple. They're better. Um, there was a time, like, I don't, I don't think the Braves are that much better than the Nats. Um, like, they won the season series 11-8. About four or five of those losses were because the bullpen was so terrible. Um, I don't think they're that much better than the Nats, but 
they know how to approach this team. Like, Ozzie Alves will stand behind second base about half of the at-bats, and every single time there's a hard ground ball up the middle or a line jump up the middle, boom, he's got it. Like, they have their defense played perfectly, and they grind out every single at-bat. Like, with Corbin, they know not to uh, chase the slider in the dirt. Max, they know not to swing at the first two-strike pitch because Max always throws out the zone. They know the team so well that they just know how to play them, and, like, the Nats couldn't really bounce that. And there were some times where there was, like, weird, like, bloops that would drop, but the Braves are a good team, and they know how to play each and every one of their opponents, and that's why they have a a nine-and-a-half game lead on the division. And the entire division, except for the Nats, has been eliminated with 15, 14 games left to go. They're an annoying, pesky team that just knows how to play every single team perfectly. Yeah, and I, I think you summed it up well. And so the one thing I'll add is that I I truly think the Braves just want it more. I think they are hung more hungry than the Nats are. I think the Nats, um, while we could still make a make the playoffs, I think it it's a bunch of older guys with some youth that because it's a majority of the older guys, they feel the pressure. They feel the time ticking. They aren't necessarily succumbing to the pressure, but they definitely feel the pressure more. Whereas a younger team like the Braves, they are majority young talent with some older uh, veteran leadership infused into the lineup in the clubhouse so that you have the, the eagerness and the hunger of the youth, but also the wisdom and leadership of the older guys and it's just kind of this perfect blend and the fact that the Braves made it to the postseason last year when people didn't have them winning 81 games um, that was like a, a taste of what could be so now you go into year two with this core um, and you add guys like Keiko, Soroka etc um, Donaldson that are only improving um, and helping your cause, I think they are just more hungry and they want it more than the Nats, and it's showed for the majority of the season because they've been the best team in the division, frankly, all season. I mean, yeah, the, the Phillies were in first for a, for a time, but I, I think the Braves have always been the best team in the division. So, yeah, they keep beating us, and it sucks because not only is it a division rival, you have to deal with Braves fans, but... I mean, on our best day, we can play with them. So we just have to hope our best days line up here very shortly because we're running out of time and we don't have time to uh, to wait for us to play our best brand of baseball. So I, that's the answer in short. So hopefully the Nats can uh, step up. They need to nut up or shut up, right, Ryan? Nut up or shut up, just like my great-grandpappy would always say. <laughs> smart, smart man. I can see it's, uh, it's genetic. Um, so... <laughs> That leads us to our final segment of the, the best week. segment of the, the best week. segment, and that is the who's mad of the week. Like I said last week, this is a new segment where I'm going to highlight my favorite tweet of the person I made the most mad this week. Um, and this week, it comes from the person who you can find at Juicethine. On Twitter, that is J-E-W-S-T-E-E-N-N. Please tweet him. Uh, and he <laughs> tweeted me saying die. 
you know, that just really die. hurt my just die. That really was, hurt was my there any context or was it just? Oh random? no, there was. So okay, because it, it was after funny, Charlie was Corbinson. <laughs> uh, I mean, people tweet me all the time whenever the Nats lose, so that wouldn't be out of the random. But after Charlie Corbinson, uh, never bunt kids. Turned around the bunt, got hit in the face. Terrible. It was horrible. You know, I mean, Fernando Rodney didn't mean to do it. It was a bad all around situation. But that was one pitch. One murder. So I tweeted, Fernando Rodney, one pitch, one murder. Efficient. Great tweet. I know. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and some Braves fans found their way to it. And this tweet stood out to me the most. He said, die. So I became obsessed with him. I started like, going through his Twitter. There was some gold in there. Let me tell you, this kid is racist. This kid's homophobic. This kid's transphobic. Everything in the world. So I just started tweeting. Well, yeah, he's a Braves shot. fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you ever have issues with Braves fans, at me, and I will ruin them because 95% Braves fans can be easily dragged through their old tweets. So I just kept screenshotting him and, like, sending his tweets. And he was like, go ahead. Keep sending me my old tweets. I don't care. Two seconds later, the dude's on private. So that is another victory for me. And we thank you for being so angry and so terrible of a person that you have to go on private. Well done. And I mean, like, unlike Braves fans, we don't celebrate injuries. Like they are frequently root for Juan Soto to tear his ACL and all that stuff. Like you, you can see it everywhere. Um, it, I mean, Ryan, the tweet was funny. Like it, it was pretty oh, funny. <laughs> and obviously Rodney did not mean it. There was no intent behind it. It's it just one of those things that happened. It was very unfortunate. We wish Charlie Colbertson uh, well and hope he gets better soon um, especially because he has one of the best flows in the game like that hair is just luxurious luscious hair but it was not not uh, intentional but the <laughs> Braves fan tweeting you die certainly was so <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> <laughs> so that does it for us hope you guys enjoyed it uh Two weeks in a row, just me and you, but I, I, I think we're getting pretty good at this. Who needs Amanda? <laughs> but Amanda, we think we'll be back next week. She went to Mexico without telling us. So <laughs> we think yeah, she'll be back re- Really rude show on vacation. Um, but for Ryan and myself, follow us at DC Natchak. Follow Amanda at AWhite7877. And follow the podcast on Twitter at Half Street High Heat. Um, And don't forget to like, subscribe, review. Um, We definitely appreciate it. We definitely take your feedback uh, into consideration and um, think of ways we can always improve and uh, keep on working. Um, So for Ryan and myself and Amanda Vicariously, we thank you and we will see you later.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.